Hello and welcome to Fine Art Podcast, where the podcast is fine, but the art is fine. My name's Keegan Shiner. I'm the host of this podcast. I just want to say election day week or election week was always going to be a no podcast this week type of week. But last week, I had some technical difficulties with the episode, and unfortunately, it wasn't able to be released. Uh, So uh, we're back. (laughs) We're back with William Van Beckham, the artist this week. He is a photographic artist. He does installation work. And if you've seen his art, uh, which is possible because he's been in a lot of shows in the last couple of years, uh, if you've seen his art, you'd recognize it right away because it's made from like hundreds of Instagram photos that he has placed together, collaged to make or remake famous landscapes. He also talks about how he will go take a picture of a famous of a landscape um, or a famous natural formation or, or I don't know if you call it a famous landscape because uh, they're not they're not on TikTok or anything. Uh, but he'll go take a picture and then he'll find the same pictures on Instagram and he'll make remake it. Um, and it, it's uh, he's exploring the way that humans interact with their environment, uh, especially on social media. And we're going to talk about it. So that's all I can really say about his art. Another feature of this show is having a guest who is not a fine artist come on and ask questions and join the conversation. Someone I like to call the bridge to outside of the art world, 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 world. Uh, this week's guest is Ashley Shiner. She is a office manager downtown Boston of a medical office. She asked some really great questions. It was really fun having her on. And I think that really helps us avoid that Ouroboros effect uh, that art artists can sometimes get into. Anyway, uh, I'd like to keep these intros very short, um, so without further ado, I will talk to you on the other side. Uh, so, William, Will or William? Uh, you can call me Will. I, I, you know, I go back and forth. It doesn't so much matter. <laughs> Is it based on context? Like, uh... sort of. Yeah, I, I guess you know, um, everyone calls me Will in conversation, and then um, like William is like what I sign my artwork with. Um, and like my email signature. Oh, um, interesting. But I think I think in this context, I'd rather be Will because we're Will conversational. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, Just to not... be wild, can I ask? Would you ever go, Bill? No. Well, okay. So I have a good story about Bill, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> where so no, I I never go by Bill, but a lot of my good friends, um, like if I'm being, not that I, I don't think I'm ever like a jerk, jerk, but like if I'm being like a little bit like catty or something. Um, they'll call me Bill. So that's like the, my like evil, <laughs> evil alter ego nickname that they've given me. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. And they use it pretty liberally. Like if I'm just like, I don't know, making a bad joke or in like a bit of a cranky mood that they like. Oh, Sass- Bill, Sassy Will up. turns into Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I get that. My so, sister would use my first and middle name. Ooh, Ashley yeah. Ray. Oh yeah. Classic. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what about I, Willie? Willie, no, no, it's too never simple. a Willie. Okay. Never Willie, no. <laughs> if I start being a real jerk, you can call me Bill. If I'm like mouthing off or anything, like, and you need to get me in line, Keegan, you can just maybe I'll call you Billy. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> like twist. That would be like the silly, the, yeah, the silly evil alter ego. Uh, right, you're Doctor Evil. <laughs> uh, chaotic evil, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. So, Will, uh, you do photography, but not really. 
Is that correct? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, you do photography, but you also do collage. And um, and then you also, like, do photography with iPads? Yeah. Um, so I started my, like, photographic or artistic journey um, being a photographer. And... Um, Where was that? Uh, well, like in high school, like, okay. like, like, you know, I took my first, high, you know, first, fo first photo class um, in high school and okay. sort of got hooked there. Where did, um, where did you go to high school? I grew up in Connecticut. So I went to a public school in Connecticut. Okay. Uh, Farmington High School. Okay. Uh, which was a good, good, good place. And we had a dark room and, and good, good photo teachers. And um, oh, cool. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole like cliche thing that I feel like every photographer I talk to says the same thing. Um, which is that like, you know, the first time you put a print into the developer and like watch it go from like a blank white piece of paper to like, it's like this image emerging out of the, um, out of nothing is like, a, it, it's an extremely magical um, uh, thing to experience and to watch. Um, and so like, I have very vivid memories of the first time that I saw a print emerge in the, in the, in, out of the developer. And that was sort of it for me. It's really cool. Yeah. I, I took uh, photography in high school too. And it was not a good teacher. It was taught by the like assistant football coach because oh. they, they needed him to have a job at the school <laughs> to justify oh, his salary. So he was like, I don't give a shit about this. And like, <laughs> here's, here's photography. And it was like a slideshow. And all the kids in the class were burnouts. Like not, not joking, <laughs> like literally like you go in the class next period. No, let's go home. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to my AP calculus class now. Uh, I'll see you guys <laughs> later. Yeah, it was uh, it was like stepping into another world, but yeah, but you got to mess around in the dark room and yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and I took all these like abstract pictures of the, like uh, they recently built these like massive AT and T buildings, like architecturally amazing buildings with all the different angles, and I was taking mm. these abstract pictures of like different parts of the building with the light coming in and i know they're good now but yeah. like my teacher was like you didn't get the the building in this picture <laughs> like, <laughs> like i like the light here but like where what is the uh what's the subject of this picture and i was like okay <laughs> that's so funny because because now I, I i teach high school photography and i'm always trying to get my students to see past the literal and i'm you know They'll, yeah. they'll like take a picture of, you know, yeah, a building. And I'm like, okay, like, that's cool. But like, what if you made it, I'm constantly saying like, what if you made it weird? Like get weird <laughs> with it, like, like crazy blurry or like, you know, way up close or like you look like a spaceship instead of a building. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, that's funny though. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> Challenging uh, those young minds to see outside of reality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're trying, I try to make it fun. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it I try to make it fun and uh and well, yeah i mean i don't know at that age i feel like it, like fun has to be a big part of it and, and that shouldn't go away either right like i still have fun with um, right right <laughs> yeah or hopefully it, just like art in general i would think you have to be pretty passionate about it to be able to continue doing it yeah oh yeah it, it's uh it's i don't know it's a all encompassing i don't know it's a it's a release for me. It's a it's the thing that I channel all my ideas through. So it's sort of I, yeah. It's something I don't even think about it for myself anymore. It's just a, a part of my sort of daily, um, I don't know, <laughs> daily life. Yeah. 
So when you started doing photography, how did you end up doing landscape stuff? Or was that like sort of like always what you were doing? So I started doing, I mean, yeah, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like what was around. There was, you know, it's a nice place. I, I, you know, I grew up doing a lot of hiking and things like that, being outdoors. Um, But really the reason that I'm like most drawn to landscape uh, and images of nature is that I uh, am sort of a socially awkward person and photographing people was scary to me. (laughs) So like, I I remember like at a, actually, so, so um, uh, my best friend uh, from high school and, and still, um, uh, was like an actor or is an actor and a singer and a performer and like very sort of, you know, socially outgoing. And I was more socially, um, you know, reserved. Um, and we always joked that like, you know, like I, I'm like afraid of like taking pictures of people, but I would photograph him. I'd make portraits of him and oh, we'd yeah. have fun. And we always joked about like having a, um, like a business where like, this was back in high school where like I would have the camera and do the camera side and like he would like talk to the people and like, and like, you know, direct models or, or whatever oh, cool. <laughs> because yeah. I just like couldn't handle that <laughs> and I and I make portraits too now sometimes um but I I definitely the um you know like like a tree or a mountain is not going to talk back to you or um, right. or like you know if you say something awkward they're not going to judge you and so there's, <laughs> there's no judgment there <laughs> yeah no mountain's gonna be like I look terrible in this I'm so right? wide <laughs> Or yeah. is it just that they don't move for the picture? Like you just can't yeah, take pictures moving of things, moving yeah. things. Uh, oh, okay. It, it, uh, it's more the judgment. I can't handle the judgment of someone like, what is this guy doing? Or why does he want me to do this? Or I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. They know that it's weird that you're taking pictures of them. <laughs> but trees don't know that. Trees don't know it. No. Nope. What did you do after high school, college? So yeah, so after high school, um, I went to Emerson College. Okay. Um, and I studied. Um, well, so I I wanted to study photography, but uh, Emerson at the time didn't have a photography major. They do now. They have a great BFA program. Okay. Um, but at the time, they didn't have a photography major. You can only minor in photography. So I studied uh, filming. Uh, cinematography was was my major. Um, Got it. Okay. So, you know, related, you know, looking, thinking about light, um, but in the motion picture sense and, and Emerson has a great, you know, film and uh, video and, uh, you know, program and they, all their alums, they send off to Hollywood. Um, I did, a right, semester, right. I, did, I, did I did a semester in LA and, um, oh, had a great time, but, but it was not a scene for me <laughs> yeah. professionally. Um, well, I imagine you wouldn't be comfortable filming people either. No, no, exactly. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and there's it, not many movies about tree. I mean, there's some movies about trees, but, but like not, not perfect, like not enough to not blockbusters. There, there are no Hollywood blockbusters that are like, you know, the, the um, you know, here's a valley of trees. Um, right. although I, I wanted to do like planet earth style things. Um, okay. When I was in college, it's like just when like the first planet earth film had come out with David Attenborough. Yeah, um, and I watched that like every day, and like wanted to like be like the person filming like you know the monkeys or like the birds of paradise hopping around and everything. Oh yeah, um, and that, that like every shot in that must yeah. take like eight hours though. Like oh yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it, well, it, there was the behind the scenes disc too. I remember it was like a six. It was when DVD you still DVDs, and like the sixth DVD was like a behind the scenes. Um, Thing, which th- that's probably the one I watched the most. Um, oh, cool. They had like, you know, how did they get this shot of like the elephants, you know, going across the plains? And, and it was like some guy in like a hot air balloon with like a motor <laughs> on it. <laughs> Something crazy like that in order to get these like big swooping scenes. Um, so the part of filmmaking that I really connected to was the um, like the, the fact that you're not just a single person making a film, that it's like a team activity. Yeah. 
Um, and so when we would do film shoots, it would be like a team of like, you know, in college, it was like 10, 15, 20 people and we each other different roles. Yeah. And so there was like a, you know, um, collaboration and coordination, which I, which I like enjoyed on a social level, but I think on an artistic level, I was feeling like I was just sort of, you know, making things that I wasn't super excited about. Um, right. It wasn't your project. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and I had an amazing, uh, uh, photo teacher and advisor, uh, Lauren Shaw, who I'm still uh, good friends with, um, who, I think when I was a, yeah, I was a junior and I said like, I don't know how like into filmmaking I am. Like, what should I do? Like, you know, how do I be a photographer? <laughs> cause like, I had no idea like how you be, a, I still don't know how to be a photographer really. <laughs> as, you, as you know, cause I'm not really taking pictures. Um, <laughs> I'm like doing weird collage and stuff. <laughs> um, and she encouraged me to do a summer internship um, at a photo workshop. Okay. Um, so in, in photo workshop, so I, so I went to Colorado. Um, there's a place called Anderson Ranch Art Center, which okay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but um, it's a place where uh, um, it's basically a summer camp for artists um, where like famous artists will come to this place and then students from, you know, all around the world will come and like take a week long workshop with them. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. So the summer of my junior year of college, I, I went out there and I was like the assistant, the coordinator for all these workshops. And oh, nice. So, yeah, so there'd be, you know, the students would be taking the class and I was the one like making sure that we could like, you know, get the carpools going to a certain location to make photographs or uh, making sure everyone had enough lunch and got to places on time and, and things like that. And then, and then also helping, um, I was doing like a small amount of co-teaching or like, you know, helping people download their photos onto their computer and print okay. and things like that. So sort of like an all-purpose sort of arts workshop helper. Um, oh, cool. I got to work with like a ton of really amazing artists and um, and then after college I stayed in that in that world so I, I uh, there's another workshop called the Santa Fe photo uh, the Santa Fe photographic workshops um, and so after college I went out to that was Santa Fe New Mexico uh, okay. and I worked there for about five years I ran their uh, their computer labs and I um, that's where I started teaching for the first time okay um, so they trusted me to, to teach photography workshops um, there oh, cool. and teaching a ton of workshops there um, and just got to sort of like live, live in like a, I don't know, a little, um, bubble of people who were interested in photography. Um, and if I remember, that's where you got really, uh, um, what's the word disenfranchised from <laughs> like from these landscape shots, right? Like everyone taking the same shot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, because up until then, I, again, I didn't, I, I didn't know what it meant to be a photographer. I didn't know. I mean, there's so many types of photographers too, that it's so it's, you know, um, it's hard to find your identity as a, as a photographer or as an artist in general. But, um, uh, yeah, so I was like making like big, pretty landscapes because that's what I knew. Like those were the pictures that my parents had, you know, yeah. in their house when I was growing up. And so I knew like Ansel Adams and like, you know, yeah, uh, just, Big, big, like pretty landscapes is what I would call them. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, like I, I in, so in, yeah, in New Mexico, I would be leading these workshops um, where, you know, you get like, you know, 15 people who all wanted to like be Ansel Adams. Like they, they just wanted to like make really beautiful landscapes, um, which is great. But I just saw it like over and over and over again. Like every single week, it was the same mission. Yeah. And it wasn't to like innovate necessarily. I mean, sometimes it was, but it wasn't always like to like, you know, express a certain idea it was just it was i don't know the, the default position for a lot of students seemed to just be sort of like you know do what i've already seen done and go to the same place where ansel adams stood and like oh where you know, th th there was this um we would drive past the spot where ansel adams made uh, moonrise hernandez which is mm -hmm. one of his most famous photographs 
it's like a moon rising over a over a churchyard you know and there's like a ray of sunshine at the end of the day coming in and illuminating the church and and and, and, every, and the gravestones and everything it's a beautiful image um but we'd pass the spot where he stood when he took that and we'd always like have to stop there and like get out of the cars <laughs> all the students would get out and the teachers would, you know instructors would say like like, here's where Ansel Adams stood and here's the story of how this image went and then we'd all try to make the same shot which of course doesn't exist anymore because it's you know that area has been developed and the moon isn't in the oh, same yeah. spot. so it turned into like factory landscaping is that <laughs> factory? yeah like yeah, a factory of landscape artists yeah we, we did new, new batch of students every week and, and we'd have to you know we'd show them the spots where where you made the photographs and, <laughs> and they'd all get out and take the same photograph and um yeah, and, and, and I mean, I, I'm talking down on it, but there was a lot of really wonderful creativity that came out of that, or that, you know, came out of those workshops also. Um, but I, I, I sort of fixated on the fact that, like, there were a lot of people who, like, didn't, you know, they didn't really seem to want to yeah, to go much further than, than sort of recreating uh, what they'd already seen. It's like when Ashley and I took a pottery class. We just took a pottery class, and the guy is <laughs> like, I've been doing this for 15 years, and, like, you know, I just like to get into the uh, the form and the magic of the clay, and mm -hmm. I, I keep everything I make because later on I smash it and I think about I don't know what each piece means, and we were just like we just wanted to make a pot today, <laughs> 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 like we are not yeah. So I imagine it's the same sort of uh, feeling for most instructors of of that type of mm -hmm. like come try this for a day or a week, you know? Yeah, and, and it's a complicated position to be in, the position that I was in, because because yeah, on one hand, I was like frustrated by like, you know, the repetition of it. But on the other hand, I love seeing students, you know, I love seeing students get to create something that they're excited about. And, and if recreating an Ansel Adam, you know, a landscape, that's something that I'm excited about too. I would make those same photographs every week alongside them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would take those photographs also and I'd like put them on Instagram and be like, isn't this pretty? Like I was at this beautiful place today. So like, that, that's like such a valid position. Um, but at the same time, I was frustrated by by that position. So I don't know. So that became a bit of like an existential crisis for me. And then that led me to going to grad school. <laughs> Wait, so were you advocating pure photography? which favors sharp focus and the use of full tonal range of a photograph, <laughs> which I'm reading off of Wikipedia. <laughs> that, that's like the, um, <laughs> from the history books, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, you, you mean like, like, were we advocating that in at the workshops or like? Yeah, at the workshops. Um, Was that what you were teaching? sometimes were you yeah. teaching the zone it, system that was the, no 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 that i mean that that was all <laughs> in, the, in the dark room the zone system's a dark room thing um, oh okay but um and, and we were doing all you know uh, uh we were doing everything digitally but, thanks a lot uh, wikipedia <laughs> <laughs> adding nothing to my research this week <laughs> so you don't have to do any of that for digital anymore or is um, that I mean, a, a, lot, a lot of the ideas relate, you know, with the zone system in terms of like, you know, um, printing certain tonal values of, of an image and things like that. But you don't, um, I don't know, and, and maybe I'm the wrong person to ask also because I'm not super, super technical with my um, image processing workflow. Um, I see. Okay. The, tool, the tools are very different basically um, now in, in, in digital. So. Right, right. Isn't it kind of weird to think about like in our lifetimes? We've seen, you know, it went from, like, I didn't talk about my photo developing experience, um, but I was in the yearbook. Mm -hmm. And um, 
the just transition from actually having to print everything and, and have copies and submit them to the yearbook for us and and then being like, well, you can take a picture and delete it right away and see what it looks like. And I just remember in like seventh grade seeing these like magazines about this cool camera in Japan and was like, there's a little picture on the inside of it, right? Yeah. We don't even see digital cameras anymore. We're using our phones, but it's just like, this is our in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's funny. I, I remember in you know, I think yeah, I was in high school also and seeing, um, seeing similar like ads for digital cameras and just being like, like whoa, oh, of course that's a thing. Um, <laughs> how cool! I was excited to get my first two megapixel camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when I, when my family got our first yeah our first digital camera, and I remember it took like you press the shutter and it would take like five seconds to to make the image. Oh, wow. um, like it wouldn't, yeah. it, you know, the shutter would, wouldn't fire right away. Yeah. Um, so you'd be like, yeah. you'd be like, hold, hold, like, wait, 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 it's, it's going to come. <laughs> it's going to happen. Wait. <laughs> or you like push the button down, but you moved the camera with it. And it's, yep. oh, yeah. yeah. It's blurry immediately. Yeah. But you can take so many pictures. Because <laughs> the shutter speed was so bad on most of those. Yeah. It, Let it, alone it, the fact that it was like two to five megapixels for the longest time. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into fine art from doing those workshops? There were, so I, 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 I feel like I've talked like very disparagingly about those workshops. <laughs> um, but, no, I, I don't think were... so. You, you defended them too. Okay, okay good. Yeah, yeah. Because, because, because they, it's a wonderful place that like, if someone is interested in photography, they should go to, they should take a workshop. It's a great experience. Um, but there were, there were some amazing, amazing, like ultra creative workshops and photographers who came there as well. There's a photographer named Keith Carter. Um, who has a very, um, like, he has a very classic style um, in terms of, like, you know, beautifully printed black and white photographs, but he also would do things like uh, take apart the lens of his camera and then put it back together again so that it would have all these, like, weird aberrations and blurs involved. Oh, cool, um, yeah. And, and, he, and he, he approaches photography from, like, a very poetic standpoint um, of, like, the image is a poem. And, 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 of course, like, in poetry, you know, you don't need to, communicate information literally you can you can you know approach communicating from a whole variety of different perspectives if an image is a poem then it's a really really long poem because an image is a thousand words, a thousand words. <laughs> oh my god that would be the, the longest poem ever right yeah <laughs> i love that <laughs> I actually keith carter would love would love that i i should send him that yeah <laughs> he, he's funny he's like a he's like an extremely eloquent um uh visual you know, uh, uh, artist, um, as well as is he is as a, as a speaker and, and he's a poet as well. Um, but he's oh, got cool. a great sense of humor too. Um, <laughs> so, so he, he loves it. He, he's, he's funny. He's this like energetic, uh, little like Texan, uh, guy. He's just like, he's just like, so, um, uh, like inspirational to be around, but also hilarious. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. So he, he, he would love that. Um, oh, cool. Uh, anyway, so, so I took a workshop with, or I assisted in a workshop with him, and, and there's a whole lot of other photographers who come through, you know, um, who are, you know, in the similar vein of like, you know, uh, not that sort of pure Ansel Adams type thing, but like, you know, how far can you push your camera to make it sort of express uh, more emotional ideas or sort of what's going on on the inside rather than what's what's going on just in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, and so I started making, like over the, um, over like the long amount of time that I lived, um, that I lived in Santa Fe, um, so I was there for five years, um, and I would, 
yeah, I would, I would just always be making photographs because I was always with photographers. And so I always had a camera with me. Um, and I sort of, I started to develop uh, like a visual style. Like if you're on my website, there's the, um, the portfolio called Signet um, was sort of like a body of work that I uh, developed over that like long amount of time where I was starting to like see things, try to see things a little bit more abstractly and, uh, and from a more sort of emotional perspective. Okay, and was this what you submitted as your like artist portfolio? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so this is the work that I applied to grad school with. Oh wow! Did you have a gallery show? No, this is <laughs> this is funny. Um, so uh, Keegan just pulled up an image on my website that is um, that looks like these like gigantic like <laughs> prints. Um, yeah. This was this was Photoshop, like like to, <laughs> to show how I wanted to exist <laughs> work at the time. Uh, wow! But, but I never displayed it uh, in a show. Like I, I did. I Who's this person? Why looking at this? Well, so so I took a photo of a gallery. It's a gallery in Santa Fe um, that I okay. was somebody, somebody else's work at. I, I forget what show. I forget the name of the gallery and, and the show. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but like the frames and like the person are all looking at. Oh, other that's so and funny. Photoshopped my work into it, like to see what it would look like at that scale. But I never. I never actually got the show. <laughs> God, that's like a performance art piece all by itself right now. <laughs> so like this, someone, this is what you should do during quarantine is just put up your own show at galleries that are closed, <laughs> basically. Well, somebody advised me to do this. I think when I was applying to grad school, they said like, show how you would like, you know, visualize your work looking in a perfect world. And I was oh, like, funny. this is where I want to be. This is what I want to be doing. Um, but, but it's funny you mentioned like that's what we should be doing in quarantine because there's do, do you know the gallery uh shelter in place gallery yeah the shelter in place gallery yeah yeah so i have a, a show coming up there um, oh wow i'm very excited about um that I've, I've actually put off a little bit uh because i uh <laughs> the the time associated with with uh um figuring out how to teach classes in a pandemic has, has sort of set, set my artistic pra practice back a little bit but oh I bet um, but the Children's Place Gallery is uh, um, uh, yeah I think you've seen it but it's, it's a dollhouse basically it's a dollhouse gallery um, that, that you can sort of make miniature work and then and then put it in um, and, it, and it looks like this sort of almost real life but it looks like a dollhouse also oh that's so cool it's great like fun way of like uh, uh, <laughs> the guy who started it started in the early days of the pandemic when we were all like literally like scared and like you know you know, uh, huddling in our in our homes and apartments and everything. Right, um, which is how we sh still should be. We still should be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just it, just putting that out there. Yeah, uh. yeah. I mean, I, I have to go and teach now, which is like the one. I mean, I leave the house every day to go into a school full of kids, which is terrifying. Yeah. Because up until up until the moment I stepped into that school building, I had like not left the house except to go grocery shopping. But they give you hazmat suits and <laughs> and it's like you're on the moon, basically, right? You're wearing astronaut suits and I wish. Well, I, I don't wish necessarily. No, it, it um, you know, it's scary. Uh, <laughs> some people wear like you know um a lot more. Like like I, I there was a teacher who I had lunch with the other day who's wearing like a Darth Vader type mask. It looked yeah. like. Um, oh wow. I don't I don't know quite. I think it was like a respirator or something, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> It's so it's come to that. It's come to yeah. respirators. Yeah, I've, I've got my mask. I've got tons of hand sanitizer. I have a little like plexiglass shield on my desk that I stay huddled behind. Um, and my students are all spread out in the room. Wow. Do you ever do you ever draw on the plexiglass to like make your points? I thought about doing that um, because it is like, you know, yeah, it's like I have my dry erase markers right there. Yeah, it's um, like a built in whiteboard. Right. Sort of. And it would look really cool. Um, <laughs> 
but uh and like futuristic i feel like it would feel like those like futuristic like csi crime lab people where they're always i feel like they're always like you know they've got like a screen in front of them that they can like draw on and also like pull up their images <laughs> yeah and stuff yeah um no i don't do it because mine is so flimsy that if i did that it would fall over i think and then uh, you would be exposed and die yeah. uh, or not die. And, and just also, oh god oh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> I am also teaching kids at home. So I'm teaching on Zoom and in, in the class at the same time. So the other oh, thing wow. that, um, uh, the kids at home wouldn't be able to see it. So everything I do, teaching, mm. I do like, like how like how are the kids at home going to get this information? And then how are the kids in the classroom going to get this information? And it's really... Difficult. Sounds confusing. It's so confusing. And it's, 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 I mean, it's obviously not ideal. And we're finding creative ways to, to make it work. But it is uh, weird. Yeah. How are the kids, are they, do they adapt easily to this sort of environment or are they kind of just like, whatever, this year's a wash? Um, they're all like really challenging themselves. Like I, I see, I see a lot of my students like um, really trying to make the best out of it. Um, and I think that, I don't know, I think it's like, I think it's like we all have good days and bad days. Like this is true for me too, where like some days they'll show up and just be like, like I, like this is, the world is too much right now. Uh, and I totally get that. Um, and I feel yeah. that sometimes as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's um, every week has been different since September. Um, because at first we were like, you know, getting used to what it's like to like be teaching in this weird environment, or, you know, just be learning and in the, in the school building that is so different from what it used to be. And we had a ton of technical issues for the first like month that was basically, I mean, I like, it was so hard for them to learn anything because we were constantly stopping and trying to fix someone's computer or get oh, their Zoom yeah. working or, and we still have those issues sometimes, but we've sort of moved past a lot of that. Um, and so every week I feel like we like, we all collectively, like the students and myself, we all like learn something new that like helps, um, helps the whole educational process move a, a little bit more, more smoothly. Does um, your school have the creative cloud? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we okay. have, um, and, in our school, so we all, so every kid has a laptop also. Um, okay. This wouldn't have been possible if they didn't all have laptops, but half of them had Chromebooks and half of them had MacBooks. So, yeah. and in, in, in Adobe software won't run on Chromebooks. It'll only run on, on Apple and Windows machines. Part of the drama that first month was, was getting the IT department to swap out all the Chromebooks with MacBooks <laughs> just so the kids could use the software we were gonna use. So, you know, it was, oh just, a, it was just hurdle after hurdle after hurdle. Um, and then just 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 last uh, just la last week on Friday we had our first critique where like they like turned in their images they were awesome we got to like talk about photography instead of talking about like software yeah uh, yeah in, in a much more more sustained way and that was like I saw like kids who had been like kind of seemed kind of down the whole year like start to like come alive during that time because you know here we are going to like talk about art instead of uh, instead right of right out about um, about like you know keeping ourselves safe and just how do we make the whole all the software work. So um, Signet was kind of your portfolio going into grad school. Right. Yep. And leaving a trace maybe in grad school or was that before? Yeah. So no, yeah. Leaving a trace was, um, was like one of the first ideas that, that sort of held when I got into grad school. Um, okay. And I had a, I had a sort of, a, I had a hard time, uh, you know, once I got to, um, to SMFA and, um, like was trying to start making work because I had been making 
Well, so as you know, SMFA is like a hugely interdisciplinary program, right? Like you like cannot just be a photographer or just be a painter or just be a performance artist. Um, you're like very encouraged to like have conversations that sort of run the spectrum of, of all the different forms of art. And so I had a hard time because I had like, I'd been in these photography workshops and I'd been in the film world, but I'd never really been exposed to, I don't know, like high level conversations about other forms of art. <laughs> conceptual art maybe, or just- Yeah, conceptual art. In general? painting, you know, I'd like taken like history, you know, intro history of art and things like that in, in, in undergrad, but, um, you know, not, not at like a very deep level. Um, so like, I didn't know what like anyone was talking about at first. <laughs> right. Um, and I was also still making art. I was making like the photographs that I was making were like, you know, still like loosely based on like Ansel Adams-esque landscapes where I was trying to make them a little bit weirder or more emotional, but I didn't like have the language down, right? I didn't really like fully know what I was doing. Um, or like know how to like write a good artist statement that that like explained like my process or anything like that. So you'd come from no fine art and you were right. suddenly thrust into fine conceptual art. Right. <laughs> and uh, so this is your first conceptual art. Is that what you're kind of leading me to? Yeah, I suppose so. Right. It's like um, it, it was like, I guess I've never framed it as like conceptual art, but um, but it was like the first body of work that I made where I was thinking both about like what the images looked like and made me feel, but also I was like trying to communicate like a very concrete point so that like okay. someone, someone could look at the work and, um, and I was like dipping my toe into the idea that, okay, I can like, you know, make somebody like think about something beyond just what they're looking at in front of, in front of the camera. Now, is this a series or is each picture kind of its own picture? No, it, it, it's a series. Um, okay. Yeah. So you're meant to see all of these at once. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so Ashley, uh, can you describe this one for us? Uh, yeah, it's a, um, a forest in the fall um, where the leaves have fell and it looks like it looks like a lot of trees have been marked to uh, be logged is what I see. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm from Oregon and that's what people loggers do. Okay, and Will, can you can you back that up or? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I, I I love that you're like making the connection to to logging. Um, so uh, they're they're actually not marked um with anything physical. So so this was I, I um it was a body of work where I was yeah I was thinking about landscape. I was thinking about like my connection to landscape and sort of the history of of how I had sort of you know been exposed to landscape growing up. But I was also thinking about like you know climate change and the sort of problematic relationship that humans have to nature. Um, and how destructive we are. And at the same time, I was thinking about the history of photography and how photography is just a, a medium that is inherently about light because you can't make a photograph without light existing. Um, if you're in a 100% dark room, you can't make an image because uh, there's nothing there to, to, you know, to expose the, the film. What I'm actually doing in, the, in all of these is I'm taking, uh, I'm bringing like artificial lights out into the woods. Um, and so I'm making landscapes where I'm also um, like carrying a portable strobe uh, around to like uh, to like illuminate certain areas of the um, of the image. So what you're see so what Ashley is seeing as um, as like uh, those little like you know marks for logging are actually like a really narrow beam of light that I'm shining onto each individual tree. Oh, okay. Yeah, it looks like paint to me too. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. It, it, uh, in this particular image, I think that I like blended it in, in such a way that it really definitely like looks like a physical mark. And then if you look at some of the other images, um, you'll see that some of them, uh, I, I think, read more like like light. Like, yeah, like, like, like a spotlight. Like, yeah. 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 This was actually the first image that I made in this series. And it was sort of made accidentally where like I was I had like my 
my portable light um, and I was like moving it around and it fired by accident and made oh, this cool. like weird orb. And then I saw that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, and then I started messing around with that um, and like playing. I, was, I really was like, oh, I can shine this light in different places and like activate different parts of the different parts of the landscape. Okay. And so then you moved on to backyards at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, um, I forget <laughs> in, in like the, in the, in like the lineage of, or the, or the, I don't know, <laughs> in the timeline of grad school, I forget exactly which, which, um, which series falls when, but backyards at night was, um, uh, was when I was also exploring these ideas of like light and, um, and our sort of proximity to nature. Um, so backyards at night is like, it's what it sounds like. It's, um, photographs of people's backyards at night. Um, <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> but paying, I'm like paying very careful attention to like where lights from our houses, like spill out into, um, into the natural world you know, and like onto the, into the woods or lawns or things like that. Okay. So the first one is you making light in nature. And this one is like man making light in nature. Right. It, it's it's okay. a riff on the, on the same idea. Um, and then Welcome to the Woods looks like uh, nature photographs with man-made stuff in them. Is that? So, sort of. Uh, Welcome to the Woods is a little bit more um, sort of uh, just like a whole bunch of different things put together. Um, okay. And I was playing, um, you know, so like some, some of these images actually come from the Leaving a Trace series, like the last image where there's like a, a tree that is sort of illuminated. Yeah. Comes from that same idea. Um, of like, you know, bringing lights out into the woods and sort of like photo. And in this one, I'm not like making literal marks, but I'm sort of thinking about a tree as like a fashion subject. Um, so in the same way, okay. that you, like, if you were photographing like a, like a model for like a fashion advertisement or something, you would, you would, you know, use artificial lighting to, to make them like as pretty as you could or as eye-catching as you could. And since you um, don't photograph people, this is your right. best shot at that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, this, this is actually, it's a great example. This tree was not going to like judge me for, for doing this. <laughs> You're a cat tree. You're a cat. Yeah. And I definitely looked weird while I'm doing this. Cause I have like the, my like big camera, like on a tripod and I have like, um, I have like a backpack full of like batteries and lights and things like that, that I'm like carting around and it, you know, and these are just like local hiking trails. It's nothing like yeah, <laughs> nothing yeah. That remote or anything. Um, so people definitely come across me when I'm making these images in the woods and they're like, what? what is this guy doing? <laughs> this is so weird. Um, cause yeah, these like, I'm like holding lights up and like, I'm triggering my camera with my, with a remote shutter release. So there's oh, like funny like strobe lights, like popping off in all different places. <laughs> it looks weird. Oh, that's and, cool. And, and I do get self-conscious about that. Like when someone comes across me on the trail, I like, <laughs> like I feel like the, the, um, the veil has been like broken or something where we're like, okay. Oh, I've been caught. <laughs> People are judging me now. The tree wasn't judging me, but the, the... I don't think you're cut out for performance art, Will. I'm just gonna <laughs> put that out there for you. It's funny because Keegan, you you and I met in a performance art class. Uh, yeah, I know. Labrum's <laughs> performance art class, um, which was like one of my favorite classes that I took while 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 um, while at SMFA. Um, but I certainly would probably not do performance art again. Um, yeah, because of my anxieties. <laughs> I actually really liked your performances, so. Yeah. Did, 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 so I was thinking about this recently because like, I feel like that class gave me the permission to explore a lot of these ideas in a, like a completely different way in a different medium where I didn't have to like use photography to communicate anymore. And I was thinking about them. I was like, I, I like had some really great ideas working in that class. Um, and a lot of great ideas for other pieces came out of like the, 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 the performances that I worked workshop in, the, in that class. Um, but I have like no idea if like my performances were good at all like i feel like they were like, <laughs> really, really bad 
bad. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. And beyond that, like it gave you the the like permission to play, right? Which is totally. really important. Really important, I think. When yeah. You, when you're trying to do stuff like this. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and a lot a lot of this like playing in the woods. Like I mean, it, it you know it 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 does feel like performance art when I'm out there doing it a little bit, right? Like right. Right. Having this like weird light conversation with a tree in my and all my like artificial strobe lights. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that, yeah, that must be a performance when if somebody came across to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so th your thesis was smoke and mirrors. Mm -hmm, yep. And um, I know you were doing other collage things already. Right? Yeah, that would be in um, yeah, and scenic viewpoint were the where okay. They, they made like like right leading up to my thesis. Yeah. So scenic viewpoint, you started to combine your history of doing. Uh, guided photography and like noticing that people are taking pictures of the same thing mm -hmm. all the time with your own like love of photography I guess right yeah yeah I was trying in, in these images I'm trying to like acknowledge that that like the both-sidedness of my um, relationship to to yeah to, to, to the way that most people or that a lot of people approach photography um, right. so, like frustration that I was feeling when I was teaching in the workshops I'm trying to like express both sides of, of that sort of like you know i love photographing pretty things but also like i'm so frustrated by the fact that a lot of people can't seem to look past just just like the pretty image right but which is ironic because you're still making them pretty sort of totally because i love pretty things so yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so how many pictures um per image usually so yes i mean so my process for this series is that i will like go to a place where I am like frustrated because it's like so pretty and I'm like, oh, all I can do is take take the really pretty image of this like beautiful mountain or, or whatever it's gonna be, or this gorgeous sunset that's in front of me. And and so I'll like mark that location, um, you know, like uh, um, uh, uh, go, go to a different one from this one because this one's a oh. bit of a different story. Yeah, uh, yeah, actually this one here is perfect, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, it's so a waterfall. It's Skogafoss, Iceland. Skogafoss in Iceland, okay. yeah, which is like the the waterfall in Iceland. It's like where the American American Express commercials are shot, and like oh, okay, <laughs> and like you know, if you go to Iceland, this is like one of the places you go. So I'll go to a place. I'll feel like, wow, this is beautiful. I have to make this photograph of this place, and I have to make it the same as everyone else did because like they make it this way. You know, everyone takes the photo of this waterfall in a certain way because it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so. I'll then go onto my computer later, you know, later on and start just like going through Instagram and downloading every single photograph of that place that I can find. So this is, this one here, I think is probably made up of like, you know, 50 to a hundred individual photographs of this waterfall that other people all took. Interesting. Um, and then I'll, I'll like download all, I have this like big like marathon session, just like downloading photograph after photograph after photograph. And then I'll bring them all into Photoshop as like this one big layered document and start like arranging them so that they all um, uh, overlap in the same places and start to form like a, a, a pattern. Um, is your photograph in this picture? Uh, I think so. I, most of them, my, my images do end up in there, but I sort of lose track of them because they, because honestly they blend into everyone else's. There's like, you know. The same picture. Yeah. The same picture, yeah. <laughs> and I... Uh, what keeps what what opacity do you use for the layers? 
so I play, I, I play around with that. I usually do somewhere around like 20%. Okay. Um, 20, I'd say like 20 to 40% or so. And, and I'll start off bringing everything in at a really low opacity. And then I'll like find the layers that I really like. I'll be like, Ooh, this, this certain photograph of the waterfall, like, but you know, it was a nice sunset or there was like, you know, you can see that there's a person standing here in this one, like under yeah. the waterfall doing like a, a spread Eagle, like, you know, very like iconic pose. Um, so I'll like find images that I like, and then I'll bring those to the top of the layer panel. Um, okay. So they sort of like, you know, go, go above everything else. Then, or sometimes I'll just like bring the opacity up on a certain image to let it, um, let it shine a little bit more. I um, see. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a nice process of like putting them all together and then getting to like play around with them a little bit and, and sort of like, you know, feel and like when you, when you don't like uh, smudge the edges, is that because you're referencing that they're photographs? <laughs> you, uh, you, you mean like where, where you can see like the rectangular, like the. Yeah. You don't like you blend, you don't blend them all together. Like you might. Right. Right. Cause I want it to feel kind of like a stack of images that are like sitting somewhere. Like, okay. like it could be like paged through. And, and then, and then the, I mean, the, and the other thing about these images is that they're, when I print them, I print them really, really big. So they get printed um, at like uh, either 30 by 40 inches or 40 by 50 inches. Yeah. Um, so they're really large. And because they're downloaded from Instagram. They're tiny pictures. They're tiny pictures. And so when you print, when I print them, you see the individual pixels. Um, okay. like from, from across the room, they look like, um, like you can almost trick yourself into being like, oh, that's a photograph of, you know, of this waterfall and like nothing looks different about it and then as you get right. closer you like i would like see start to see the layers and then as you get closer still i want you to start to see like the little little square pixels that are making all of it up and sort of i'm trying to like promote this little like journey of someone sort of thinking about um how they use photography in their own you know life but whether you know if it's just like you know snapping a snapshot of a, of a place that you've gone I don't know, and, and trying to, I, I don't know. I, I guess I, I've been like really, I'm constantly like confused about this this series because <laughs> again, I don't know if I'm like making fun of people for doing this or if I'm celebrating it. And I think I'm doing a little bit of both. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Sort of making fun of myself for like wanting to just do, wanting to look at the pretty picture. And so, and, and that idea is kind of a reaction to the whole, like my, my experience at grad school, which was a lot of like, I mentioned when I first got to grad school, like I didn't know how to like talk about art or like, I still don't really, but <laughs> so, I, don't, yeah, I, I don't know. Don't say that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I don't think it's important to like need to know how to, how to talk about art at like a, the like super, super high level. I think it's like, like I was saying before, I think it's more important to have fun with it. Um, or but, do it. Yeah. In your case. Yeah. 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 Like, just do it. Nike. Just do it. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Nike, Nike art. Just do it. You could do their campaign. It'd be a lot of trees. I, <laughs> I, I don't know how that would work for Nike, right? <laughs> um, well, so maybe it started as a frustration thing and now you've kind of turned it into this celebration. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. I, I think I think both parts are still alive in the work, right? That that I'm still like, yeah, like going I'm back still... to like Waban, which I, I saw on your Instagram page. You uh, knew that Wellesley College students were missing their campus, so you right. went and did a series on Lake Waban, which is the the lake outside of Wellesley College that mm -hmm. all the students usually walk around and townspeople walk around. And, right. which is currently closed to the public and exactly until they brought students back was pretty much closed to everyone. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, so this one was like, yeah, I mean, so in this whole, um, this whole series has evolved over time. And I, and I, and I, this is one of the series I constantly return to and like add more images to. So I've been just, I've been doing it for like the last five years, I think. 
Yeah. Um, and like every time I, I go to a place, I'll make a new image. And so it's evolved over time. And so I think at first, yeah, I was definitely like struggling with this like internal um, dialogue of like, you know, this is pretty, I want to do it, but I feel silly for thinking this is pretty. And so I'll do something to turn it into like, you know, art. Um, <laughs> but, but then, but then I started to use, yeah, during the pandemic, I realized that you could use, I could use this to, um, to like put formality to these snapshots that people have made. So this image of, of, of Lake Wabin is, um, you know, it's all photographs that mostly students at Wellesley College took, you know, during, you know, while they were there. Um, and then they all, of course, got like, you know, when the pandemic happened, they all had to go home. They're, you know, missing this, this place that's like, you know, really a, a special place for, um, uh, for them. Yeah. Um, but there's this record of all their snapshots and I could turn it into something, something that had a little bit more, I don't know, because I put all these images together and, and sort of done this effect to it, I, I, I hope I've created something that's sort of more interesting than just an individual photograph and, and more, more exciting or, or um, uh, yeah, more exciting to look at for, for them. Right, right. Well, it's, it's um, weirdly, it's like a group collaboration. <laughs> Totally. Which, yeah. which you were saying you liked about film school. Right. Um, yeah, but yeah. at the same time, this is your project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting way of combining those two things. Yeah. Uh, yeah using totally. multiples. Yeah. I, I've, I've never made that. I've never made that connection in my um, sort of it, for, to film school. And then also the way that I'm working here with collaboration. But, but I suppose there's something to that. I, I like to think that I'm like a team player and, and, and like, <laughs> like, like, like to work with other people. <laughs> yeah. Certainly something that's been missing in the pandemic being stuck at home. Um, you know, not, not getting so much of like the office camaraderie and things like that, that that we used to. Have you ever thought about crediting where you got all the pictures from or do you keep that as a record? Um, I don't know. No. So I don't keep it um, because my because my process is so like spontaneous and quick. It's like see an image, download it, like see an image, download it. Um, okay. And so um, and so I don't credit. But what I do try to do is like bury any any like uh, like elements of individuality in a certain photograph, and I've had people come up to me and say like, "Oh, I can see my photograph in here," and I'll like push <laughs> them and challenge them because I don't think you can. And most of these you can't, right? There's like like well, maybe sure. you're photographing. Like, what about this guy? Like, well, so, so and, and that's true. That's true. Like, there's people in some of them, and so like perhaps I, I guess that's like the exception that, that I'll make because I do, and a lot of them I want to have a person there because because like the experience of being at a certain place. Part of that for a lot of people is like photographing themselves there, right? But 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 I always try to mask who it is. Like they're like I'm I'm you know you're never gonna be able to tell who somebody like recognize somebody's facial features or anything. Yeah yeah yeah. Them. But no, I I've never I've never um like attributed them to to anyone. Um and within like copyright law, I'm like safe. I think. Yeah, you don't have to. I was just wondering. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but 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 no, and I definitely <laughs> and I've had people like a little bit angry with me before too, and. Um, huh. I don't know. I, I, that to me has always gone back to that, like how I'm a little bit conflicted with, with, with uh, you know, with all of this, where I'm like, you know, <laughs> am I celebrating <laughs> these images or am I <laughs> poking fun at people? And, and, I, and I still don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's fun to think about though. So uh, what, a, what about the, the mobile dark room? Oh, I love the mobile dark room. Yeah. Actually, it might make more sense to talk about, well, I don't know. It might make more sense to talk about Bear's Ears first. Okay. Because um, that's where I... Is this your most recent work? This is my mo most recent work, yeah. Okay. Um, th this is currently up at the Davis Museum, but the Davis Museum is closed. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you can't go see it. <laughs> Thanks. I know. Um, yeah. They, 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 um, yeah, it's been up since, um, since February. 
Um, well, you got an extra long run because of it, right? I suppose. I mean, no one's looking. At, I mean, they, they they wanted to keep it up during the whole pandemic just in case they could reopen again. And I think they've finally decided there's no way they're going to be able to reopen again. Um, yeah. But um, so it's still there. It's just sitting there, which is really sad because it's a really it's an audience activated um, piece. <laughs> it's a performance piece. <laughs> it is actually it's performative. Yeah. It's performative in that I don't have to perform, but the piece, but people have. I, I'm making everybody else perform with it. Um, right, right. <laughs> so Bears Ears uh, was an executive order. So um, yeah, so the history of Bears Ears National Monument. Um, it's an area in in southeastern Utah, and when it, it's a very important land for uh, there's five different native american nations who like share ancestral ties to this area um and so it has like spiritual and historical and tribal significance archaeology um, too i think and, and archaeologic as well yeah absolutely and so in like the final days of um of president obama's presidency he signed an executive order um declaring this land a national monument uh, which means that it'll be protected and um you know the national park service will uh you know protect it and and, and administer the land so big people can come and go hiking and things like that but do that responsibly yeah. um, without damaging uh parts of it and so that was great that was like a big victory um there have been various organizations trying to get that to happen for a long time before that um and so obama did that executive order everything was great and then when trump came into office he immediately you know reversed a bunch of obama's executive orders as you probably know and yeah. one of them was taking this land and shrinking it by like something like 75 or 80%. Um, so basically just stripping all of that land away. And the reason for that is because there, uh, there is, um, there's uranium deposits there that can be mined. There's natural gas that can be fracked. There's oil there. Oh. Um, and so as we speak, there are companies, you know, um, setting up their operations, uh, in order to, yeah, to, to mine and, and extract things from, from that land. This was one of those things that like I saw on social media, like as we all do, right? We like, you, you see like Trump signs executive order, um, you know, and you get all outraged and maybe like you sign a petition on moveon.org or maybe you like send 20 bucks. Um, yeah, and then like 15 minutes later, you're watching 30 Rock. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And I do that too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, th there was something about this that like, I was like, okay, I, I want to like, I want to make this a more sustained thing. Like I want to, I want this to be something that I sort of explore like the short-term attention span that we have, that we, uh, that a lot of us seem to have yeah. um, when it comes to issues like this. And so um, what I started doing was um, I was already making those images where I was borrowing images from social media. And I was also doing a lot of research at the time into like, uh, into the history of photography, like, you know, the evolution from darkroom photography into digital photography. And also the fact that like photography started out not as an art, uh, not, not as a form of art, but like uh, a way of documenting something and often for like um, scientific documentation. So yeah. early American landscape photographs uh, by like Carlton Watkins and Timothy O'Sullivan were, were like made uh, in order to like show where the railroad could go or where development could happen in the West and things I like that. I think they just wanted to know if horses' feet left the ground. I, <laughs> I think that's why photography exists today. They wanted to know if all four feet were ever off the ground. Right? That, that, that's what Moybridge was doing. That, that's his thing, right? He, <laughs> yeah. he needed to know. <laughs> that was the important crisis of the time or the important question.
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it was not, it was not, uh, they weren't like, ah, we'll make like a piece of art that will hang in MoMA. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what are these horses' feet doing? We need to know. <laughs> well, where are the horses' feet going? And also, where can we put the railroad? Like, yeah, <laughs> where can we mark the land as ours? Uh, yeah. Very, yeah. Very Western attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so yeah, so that, so yeah, so I was I was thinking about the history of photography. I was thinking about um, about social media and sort of how our, how our attention span um, is sort of very short with the, like activism things that we see in social media, and so I was thinking about ways I could put that together. And somewhere in there, I realized that like that my cell phone is a light emitting source, and darkroom photography is 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 something that you use, you know, where you uh, shine a light onto photosensitive paper, and that's what makes uh, makes a photograph come out. And so um, I realized that I could take my phone with an image on it and press it onto darkroom paper in the darkroom, yeah. uh, silver gelatin paper. And, and that would work the same way as like, you know, a like a negative would in a normal uh, photographic uh, enlarger. Oh, cool. Um, so, yeah. So, so I kept borrowing photographs of Bear, because I'd never been to Bear's Ears National Monument. Um, just, just like just seen it on social media. And so I thought like the most authentic way to, to communicate about this was again, to like borrow photographs that other people had made in the monument and, and sort of use those as my, as my uh, source information. Okay. So yeah, so I would down, I would, same thing. I would sort of go through, you know, hashtag Bears Ears National Monument, download, 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 um, pull them up onto my cell phone and then uh, literally just press the cell phone onto the darkroom paper, put it into the, into the developer and then you get this like darkroom print um, where you see the image and, and sort of the outline of, um, of an iPhone. Uh, on right, right. Looks like an x-ray almost of a phone. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and, and within that, I found all sorts of fun ways of experimenting. Like you can see, like some of them have like a bunch of images like stamped, like a rubber stamp. Yeah. Where I'll just like take the phone and just sort of like, you know, like pick it up and like press it down a, a million times and like see what sort of duplication happens. Sometimes I'll like take the phone and like stretch or like, uh, like wipe it like a sponge back and forth across the paper and, and so the image will sort of like smear oh cool um, yeah so so it's it, it's like a process that i started having a lot of fun with and it simplifies the image it turns it from like a detailed photograph into like a, an outline of, of, of the landscape instead of that's interesting do you know have you tried uh playing with like the brightness of your screen Oh my god! Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I skipped over a lot of like the the, the like technical details with this. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, there's all sorts of like filter. Like I'm using contrast filters to get the contrast of the screen just right, and I'm oh. using the brightness to get the brightness just right. Because darkroom darkroom printing is super super like you know uh, uh, finicky. It's like you, you know you have to get your time like you know exactly your, right your exposure yeah. down to the second, and there's you know there's dodging and burning, and there's um, you know make certain areas brighter and darker. Um, there's contrast filter. Yeah. So it's just, yeah, there's like a huge web of technical stuff that goes behind actually making these. Um, oh, cool. But, but the, but the principle is really simple. Right? It's just taking taking an image on a phone, pressing it onto the, onto the paper, wherever there's light, it makes an exposure on the paper or wherever it's dark, it makes less of an exposure or no exposure. But I, I think the technical difficulties are what's interesting and what, you know, like if you, if you make it sound too simple, it's not as impressive. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I labored for days and days and weeks to try to get it all right. I should be really talking up that part, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Work. Yeah. Work is a big uh, conceptual art thing, right? Labor. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Labor I, of the I, artist. Many, many hours um, in the dark room <laughs> to figure all this out. <laughs> But anyway, what you come away with though are like, I can make, I can, 
once I'd figured out all of like the, the, you know, the formula basically for doing this, it became pretty easy to make these prints very quickly. So I'd have like a batch of images on my phone that I was working with and I could sort of like rubber stamp. It's almost like a rubber stamp, right? I could sort of like rubber stamp the photo paper. Oh, okay. And sort of move on to the next one. Um, so every print that's part of, you know, there's, there's, um, there's hundreds or thousands of prints here. Um, and they're all individual unique silver gelatin prints of my phone on a paper. Oh, cool. Um, I'm working with an assistant um, who's helping me with this also, because um, I couldn't make all the thousands of the prints because I don't have time in my life. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So, so, and then this, this project took on a few different, um, a few different iterations where uh, the first time I displayed it, I would print these uh, and then I'd mount them onto like foam core boards so that they were somewhat sort of like, like they turned into like a more of a physical object. Yeah. Um, and then I would hang up like a hundred of those prints in a gallery and you could buy them for like five bucks each. So people would come in, they'd like, they'd like put five bucks into a jar. They'd get to take a print off the wall and like bring it home with them. And my, my idea there was like, that there was this idea that like, okay, you were like, that the landscape was being removed in the same way that protections were removed from, um, from Bears Ears Monument. Um, yeah, that you're, yeah. That if you're like taking a print away um, that this like big web of like beautiful prints like gets gets sort of picked away at and sort of mined in, in, in the same way that resources are being mined in Bears Ears. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Interesting. So that was like the first way that this worked. But but then I, I felt quite, sort of bad because people didn't want to buy the prints because- Right, because you were, were making them the bad guy. <laughs> right, I was making them the bad guy, exactly. Um, which, which I kind of like that also because like, you know, we all contribute to, you know, to environmental destruction. Just, just by living in the year 2020, you know, and going and like driving a car or- um, yeah, you know, yeah. Going to the grocery market and buying disposable like things that have wrappers, you know, like you can't live a perfectly, well, some people do and I admire them live perfectly carbon neutral lives. But yeah, I, I sort of wanted to like make people feel like a little bit guilty about this, but also they were getting something like you're getting to collect art for like five bucks. Um, and so I thought that was kind of cool too. Yeah. And, and especially because these pieces are like coming from social media, that was also a way of like putting it back, right? Like a letting just sort of anyone purchase art. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Home. Is democratizing a word? I say it a lot. I think, I think so. It, it's like democratizing it's word, it, yeah. art. Yeah, yeah. I have trouble with words that I, I've only read <laughs> and not, <laughs> never heard out loud, so. Um, I, I'll make up words all the time that I'm, um, that I like convince myself are real, <laughs> but they aren't. Like, like I, I say um, fresh squoze orange juice. <laughs> and I've said that all my life. Oh wow! And my family makes fun of me, but I and I have no idea where I got it from. But I, I thought it was squoze. real. Fresh, like fresh squeezed. But squoze. Oh, squoze! Yeah, like it was. It was previously sque squeezing. <laughs> <laughs> squoozing, squeezed. Uh, squoozing. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Hey, look, we can make up words as we as we please. That's my philosophy. Oh yeah, yeah. The, the English language or all languages is constantly evolving. Um, that's why they give new editions of the dictionary, right? So yeah, exactly. One, one day squoze will be in there, and I'll <laughs> squoze. I'll get to <laughs> just watch. Like next week, somebody will have a a T-shirt with squoze on it. It'll become the next big word. Oh my god! Yeah, and they'll be like, "I heard it on Fine Art Podcast." Um, yeah, yeah. And I printed it on a T-shirt, and I'm making it a thing. Yeah. We won't see it a, a dime for it. No. Nope. <laughs> So after you uh, had people take it off, um, did did you now you're having people put them on? So yeah, so then I reversed it. I thought like, okay, let's like make this. Um, I don't know. There was just so much negative. I mean, there has been for the last four years 
there's so much negativity. Well, I don't know. There's always negativity, but I've seen, <laughs> there's been so much negativity for the last four years. Um, and so I was just thinking like, okay, I, I want to like, instead of like, like making people feel a little bit bad, let them, let them contribute something instead. Like, 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 you know, empower some, excuse me, empower somebody to, um, yeah, to like feel like they're making change or to, or to actually let them make change. So the version that's up right now at the Davis Museum, uh, what I did instead of having people take these things away is I have like little shelves um, that have like stacks of prints in them um, and they have like postcard stamps on the back so you can put your name and address um, oh, cool. on the print. Um, so you buy a print, you put five bucks into this, into a little, little cash box. Um, you take a print, you write your name and address on it and like a little message if you want. Um, and then you pin it to this, uh, to this pin board that's in the gallery. Yeah. Um, and the pin board has written on it the, um, the P it's a, it's a printed out PDF of the executive order that, uh, that Donald Trump signed, um, that okay. removed the protections for Bears Ears National Monument. So this is this like very harmful document that, um, that set this whole sort of, you know, um, removal of protections into motion. And I'm inviting people, instead of like, you know, removing things and mining things, they're getting to, uh, to pin these prints up and sort of cover this, this document. And, and of course, like, like the first person like printed over Donald Trump's signature, um, <laughs> how covered that up. It's like, yeah, we don't need that anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the text sort of slowly, you know, over time as people uh, participate with this gets, um, gets covered up more and more and more and more. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. That's a good use for this type of, um, and then everyone gets their print later. Right. And so, and, and so at the end of all this, yeah, I'll put them all in the mail and, and people will, you know, they'll, they'll get mailed to you um, and you'll, and you'll, and you'll have it <laughs> and you'll have your piece of art that has like had this journey through the postal service and got, and um, you know, and was on the wall here. And, 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 and by the way, the money that pe so people spend five bucks to put these, one of these up, the money all gets donated to Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition, which is, a group of the five different Native American nations who are have sort of banded together to to um, to sue the Trump administration into putting protections back um, onto this uh, onto this land. So oh, that's great. But in addition to like participating with this and like taking something away that hopefully like you remember this issue and it doesn't like fade from your mind after ten minutes when you go off to watch Thirty Rock, um, <laughs> you've, you've like you've given money that has gone to somewhere good and useful and productive. And you have this printer behind you so that you can like see it on your wall and be like, oh yeah, I wonder what's going on with Bears Ears. Maybe I'll Google it and see what's changed with that, with that fight. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any, um, I'm just throwing this out there. Is there any place online they can do this? Um, no, um, okay. there's not. Uh, I'm sort of slow to, um, <laughs> to I, incorporate an online. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I thought so much about like the in-person experience of like, you know, participating with, with physical art. And then, and then, um, I don't know, in the pandemic, I have. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I, I'm I frustrated because museums are closed, but they're still having like swimming lessons. And that just seems way more risky than going to a museum. Yeah. Well, there's some museums that are opening again, right? Like I didn't, the, the MFA opened, right? I think they closed again, didn't they? Did they? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not too scared to do anything except for go to school and teach. And that I'm scared to do too, but that, that is like a useful thing that I can do. Well, I wanted to ask, um, just because especially that project is really um, political. Do you see yourself either utilizing that same model again or finding other ways? I mean, clearly... This week was a big week um, <laughs> politically. So I just wanted to know if you were still going to pursue that. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know what I'm doing next. Um, <laughs> I, um, you're right that that work is political, but I don't, and, and I am political in that, like, I have things that I believe are right and wrong <laughs> within politics. Um, but, but I haven't thought about adapting that to other, uh, to other topics, because obviously you could take that same model and apply it to other things. And I've, I shouldn't say that. I, I've thought about doing that, but I haven't acted on that yet. Was your work political before? Uh, only, Trump or only only in so much that like um, that like I was talking about climate change, but I don't think that climate change is political, or it's not. It shouldn't be political. It's you know it is political. Um, it should I think it's political. It should yeah. just be, right, but it should just be something that we do because like we are going to eliminate ourselves as a species if we don't do anything. So, um, right. but, but 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 of course it's political because that's how that's how something will get done about it. Um, but I never like attacked a politician in the same way that I have attacked Donald Trump in this uh, piece, and actually. What I think uh, th th there's a um, maybe the most rewarding exchange that I had surrounding the Bears Ears exhibition is that I was um, so I, I was go when the museum was open I was going in every week to photograph it um, the piece because it would because pieces are you know people are constantly like interacting with it and putting more things on and so I wanted to have sort of a step by step of like the piece growing and so I became friends with like security guards and museum workers and one day the the security guard comes up to me and he's like some guy came in yesterday he was really mad. He was saying, this is disrespectful president. And he said he's going to write Donald Trump a letter and like notify him about like this, like disrespectful artwork. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I was so, I was so excited to hear that. I'm like, all right, if I made, if I made someone upset with this. <laughs> then you did a great job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Art made, made someone feel, even if it was angry. Mm -hmm. I never heard from Donald Trump's legal team. I think they have bigger things <laughs> right now. So. Well, I noticed too, well, um, Keegan had sent me your Instagram as well. And you had a, a piece where you uh, encouraging people to register to vote for the first time. And I thought that was another really, you know, subtle way of being at least political in a sense. Well, yeah. And that's, um, yeah. I, um, so what I tried to do is I put out like a thing on my Instagram. This is what you're talking about, where I said that like, if anyone, anyone who registers to vote for the first time or can like sign somebody else up to, to register to vote, like like talk to your friends or family or someone who just turned 18 or someone who just became a citizen or, or anything, you know, you know, if you can sign someone up to vote, I'll send you a photograph. Like you can pick any photograph from my website and I'll make a, a print and, and mail it to you. And I thought that was like a cool incentive, but no, only one person took me up on it. So um, either, either I didn't do a good enough job getting it out there or people were doing it anyway and didn't want to cash <laughs> in or I, I don't know. So that was not an effective thing that I did in retrospect. Um, <laughs> But I think um, that a lot of people were probably registered already, right? I think that's true. And especially yeah. people who follow me, I think we're are likely to, I mean, you know, I think people who follow me are generally fairly political aware or conscious in some way. So yeah. Um, yeah. And I, you were working at Wellesley College and, and those yeah. are students that are likely to be registered oh, yeah. to vote. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, so that didn't go anywhere, but I, but I guess, yeah. Um, I guess I've gotten more political as I, as I, as I, as I've gone with my work. I don't know. I, I don't do it because I love doing that. Uh, politics give me like insane amounts of anxiety, but there's, I don't know, there's, there's like, we all have responsibilities to try to make ourselves live into a, in a, in a better place. And so that's, I don't know, that, that's what's led me to, to, to become a little bit more um, political, politically active in my work. Well, cool. I think, I think that is a lot that we've covered here uh, in this interview. I feel and, like we've only been talking for like 20 minutes, but I just looked at my clock and it's been so much longer than that. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's been yeah, a lot longer than that. Yeah. Um, 
But that's good. That is exactly how this week's been. If you're listening to this in the future, because podcasts are not pinned to a certain point in the timeline, uh, this is election week 2020. And it's been a really long week for everyone because it was supposed to be a day and it's been a week. So yeah, and they, they called it for Biden yesterday. So if you're in the future and you don't know what we're talking about, that's, that's, I mean, if you're listening to it this week, you're going to know why we sound like we do, (laughs) (laughs) why we all sound exhausted and, and beaten down. But if you're just going through this podcast at some point in the future and you're like, why, why is this like, this is, uh, that's why. We're referring Keegan and Ashley, do do you remember like where you were when you saw like the headline that they had called it? Was um, was that like, like you remember where you you found the news kind of thing? uh, Yeah. Well, BBC (laughs) sent me the text. Yep. And BBC News like got it out before the New York Times by like seven minutes. Ooh. I was, um, I was hiking when I saw it. Oh, cool. And, and having a, and I was on like a, it was like a picnic with my family. Um, so we were like sitting in this beautiful meadow um, in Massachusetts and we like saw the headline and we we're like, yeah, awesome, exciting, yeah, obviously great. Um, but then we like heard from like around the rest of the, we were in the state park, people <laughs> were like shouting everywhere and screaming. Oh, wow. Um, and it was this like, we, like, we were just hearing like echoes come through the woods of like people shouting, like, in, I couldn't even hear what they were saying, but just like excited shouts. Oh, good shouting, not good shouting. Oh yeah, yeah, it was good shouting. Not like bad. Not like you were in like a forest full of Trump fans. Like, <laughs> oh no, 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 no! It was like a cathartic release, kind of like ah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that was a bad scream. Wow, but yeah, <laughs> my daughter's napping in the other room, so I don't want to scream and wake her up for real. But <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Wait. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting. Wait, how old is your daughter now? She's three. Oh, cool. She turned three a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Terrible twos. How's three been? Um, she never had the terrible twos. She was like, um, she was a really difficult baby. She like did not sleep when she was a baby, but she has just gotten like easier with every age so far. Knock on, knock on wood. Oh, that's so good. Um, so she's a total sweetheart and she loves playing and, and hiking. So we, we, yeah, um, we spend a lot of time outdoors, especially during the pandemic. Does she take pictures yet? She has a camera. She has a little toddler camera. <laughs> oh, um, that's awesome. Super cute. And she, but it's funny because her way of taking a picture, she's, she's figured it out now, but at first she would like, when she presses the button, it makes a shutter sound, a shutter click. Um, but she didn't know, that, she couldn't understand that you have to like point it at someone to take a picture of them. Oh. So if I'd say like, oh, go take a picture of mama. She would walk over next to, uh, next to my wife and she'd like press the button, like holding the camera, like physically on, on my wife's skin. <laughs> <laughs> And like that, 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 that did it for her. And it's like, all right, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Got him started young. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Will. Yeah. This was a blast. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about your work. Good. Awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like I just blabbed for a long time, but I guess that's what this, I guess that's what podcasts, yeah, <laughs> that's right? what podcasts are. <laughs> They're just talking. It's not, it's not that scary. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. But like, and I really like your work uh, with conservation and, and thinking about, especially Barry's years, which is like a cool process for you. Yeah. Um, That's been really fun. That's been, um, I don't know, fun artistically. And and it's been rewarding because I've seen 
people get engaged because of it. So I feel like I, I, I hit on something good there. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, cool. Uh, hopefully, I mean, hopefully you'll come back on soon. And, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And thanks for doing this. Thank, th thank you, Keegan. Thanks, Ashley. This was fun. Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. Bye. <laughs> Take care, guys. Hello, hello, and welcome to what I like to call the end of the episode. This was a really fun episode. Thank you, Will, for coming on the show. Uh, you're very interesting, and uh, I had a great time learning about uh, how you do it and what you're doing. Um, thank you, Ashley, for being a guest uh, on this episode. Thank you to you, listener, for listening to this episode. Remember to subscribe. Subscribing is key. And also, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts because that will help us find more listeners in the future. Uh, this is a fun thing I'm doing. I am promoting another podcast on this episode. Isn't that cool? Uh, they're called Art Pop Talk. And each week, sisters Bianca, with an MA in art history, and Gianna, with a BFA in studio art, Martucci Fink is their last name, lead a conversation comparing juicy art history to today's pop culture and current events. They'll tell you why and how visual culture continues to inform our daily lives while keeping you up to date on the latest global art news. Join them every Tuesday for an Art Pop Talk. Follow them at Art Pop Talk for updates, videos, museum visits, and more. Visit their website, www.artpoptalk.com, for each episode's resources. So yeah, listen to Art Pop Talk. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, remember to subscribe. And uh, thanks for listening. I will talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>